Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. I'm going to uh, read our text. Our text is going to be Mark 8, 31 through 38. Um, It's a fairly offensive text, and I'm going to explain that as we go. Uh, The subject today is to be a loser, which that's what everybody aspires to do, right? Everybody wants to like, hey, I'm a loser, right? (laughs) Get get excited about that. Um, Not easy to do, but it's something we need to do. So let's go through our text, uh, Mark 8, 31 through 38. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside, took him aside, and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever would save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him Will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with holy angels? Um, that's it's pretty heavy. We're going we're gonna to break it down and go through it. Um, you know, as, as we always like to do, we always like to tell a, a quick little story. Um, I want to I give you a concept first. And that concept is winning by losing or gaining by losing. Um, we as people, we always want to be in control. We want to control every situation. We are all politicians of sorts. You know, we want, to, we want to control things. We want to talk our way out of it. We want to act our way out of it. We want to do certain things to make things go the way that we feel that they should go all the time. And we feel, at least I feel, I feel like I'm in control pretty much all the time. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not in control at all. I have no control over what happens. I could, I could go out here and get on Bay Ridge Road and get into a car accident and, you know, something happens and, and I'm, I'm out of control. My life changes. We're not in control. God is in control. The only way to gain Christ, the only way to gain in Christian life, the only way to go forward is to lose self. Okay, we need to open our lives to the how, what, what, sorry, the how, what, when, and where God is going. All right, we may never know the why. We may not know the why, but we need to go. We may find out why 10 years later after. You know, it, it's not going to happen then. The, the why is not always apparent. Sometimes we want to know the why because we want to be in control, and we want to know why. But we may not know why. It may not happen. It may, it may happen 20 years from now. You may be like, yeah, thanks, God, for showing me what I was doing 20 years ago. <laughs> it's true. Um, so uh, one quick scripture that's not in my slides, something just to think about, Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Okay, he was here before us. He's holding it all together. We're not. Amen. (laughs) All right, so into the story part, I get to pick on Brett because he likes it. Uh, (laughs) Linda told me so. (laughs) So Stephanie was off this week, as you know. Well, most of you know, some of you know. So Brett wants me to get the information for the slides and, and text and all this kind of stuff so they can make up all the, all the information and all they need to make. And, you know, I really honestly, there's, there's a lot to this. I really think it's so Brett can prepare for the fallout of somebody else speaking. <laughs> I don't really think he needs the slides a week early. I think he's just getting ready and geared up and say, okay, what's Scott talking about so I can have all my rebuttals ready? I don't know if that's true, but that's how I feel. 
Uh, it, <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, um, you know, he, he's like, hey, what's your title? What's this going on? And I say, and, I, and I, I, I text him, I say, hey, can I really honestly title a sermon, Be a Loser? You know, can I do that? And his answer was, absolutely. Absolutely. But, <laughs> you must hold yourself up as the prime example. <laughs> and, and it's in his text, guys. It is true. <laughs> no, the must wasn't there. I added that. Um, but that's the story, though. That's what we're talking about. So nobody wants to be the prime example. Nobody wants to be identified as losing. Nobody wants to be identified as being out of control. You know, you don't want to be, you know, Brett doesn't want me to use him as an example. I don't use myself as the example. I don't want to be a loser. Nobody wants to do that. That's not something we aspire to. Um, I, I went through some great sports stories. You know, some of you guys may remember this. Some of you guys may be too young. Um, I've used kind of some old and some new, but if you remember, I remember this one because I was 15 years old, and me and a bunch of buddies, we saved up money, and we bought this pay-per-view. It ha was happening at 11 o'clock on Saturday night. It was Mike Tyson versus Michael Spinks. This thing was built up. This was going to be the fight of fights. It was the people's champion versus the champion who had all the belts, who was Tyson. Tyson was like a bull in a china shop in this fight. It was 90 seconds. We saved up, we, like 10 of us all pitched in 10 bucks. You know, it was 1988. It was a lot of money, guys. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot of money. Um, we stayed up. It's 11 o'clock at night. We're ready to watch this fight. In 90 seconds, Mike Tyson knocks him out. I mean, it was just boom, 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 boom. It was over. And nobody wants to be Michael Spinks in that story, right? I mean, th this thing was hyped up. This thing was going to be the biggest fight. I mean, he did walk away with $13 million. I will take that. Um, but, he, but it was hyped up, and it was huge. It was a huge fight. And it was 90 seconds, and he was out. Um, you have... For all of us Baltimore people, uh, you know, if you're an Orioles fan at all, and I'm a very small Orioles fan because I'm not a big baseball fan, but I do remember in 2007 when the Texas Rangers put 30 runs up on the Baltimore Orioles. It was 30 to 3, August 22nd, 2007. That's, you don't want to be an Orioles fan. You don't even want to be in Baltimore. <laughs> all right, you just don't. Um, you have the, the great NC State, Houston, NCAA. You had Akeem Awajuwon and Clyde the Glide Drexler, awesome basketball players, best program, best team. They're going to win it all. Little NC State goes on through, wins on a missed shot alley-oop dunk. I mean, that was huge. You got guys that were going to be the best of the NBA players, and they lost that game. They didn't win that game. Uh, then you have one that has taken me 10 years to talk about this one. Duke, I'm sorry. The catch. That's hard for a Pats fan, guys. It's hard. A guy catches his up against his head. I mean, Manning was in the grasp, you know, hey. But that was a tough play. I mean, that was tough to be a Pats fan that day because you had a perfect season. They didn't lose a game. They lost in the very end with a football on a helmet. Wasn't even a catch. Anyway. Um, <laughs> still having a hard time. Still having a hard time. Um, or you even take, or you take a Bible story. Um, you take like a David and Goliath. I mean, how many people like the idea of being Goliath? I mean, that sounds awesome. This guy's huge. He's massive. He's tall. He's strong. He's he's a big dude. But then when he goes down, who wants to be him then? You know, nobody wants to be Goliath. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to to be at that disadvantage. So that's what we're up against culturally. Culturally, that's where we are. We we all want to be a winner. And we're taught that. We're taught that from a young age. We're taught that, you know, if we do X, Y, and Z, then all these things are going to happen for us, and we're going to have a great life, and we're going to have our best life now. And we need to do that. Um, and I'm not saying that there's anything against that. Obviously, we need to be smart. We need to prepare. We need to plan. We need to, to, to try to be as successful as we can be. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what we're going to go through here is there are times when what you have planned is going this way. And what God has plans is going this way. And you need to make a decision at that point. You need to decide, okay, is, is my vision and my goal more important than God's vision and God's goal? All right, so we're not going to understand what it means to follow Jesus until we really understand that. We, we need to understand that 
sometimes what we think, when we think we need to move forward, he's saying go backwards. Um, life comes out of death, glory from suffering, winning from losing. Um, and let's be honest, I mean, as much as we want to believe the TV preacher, and we won't get into names, that tells us that if you do these five things, you're going to have a great life, that's not what Christianity is. In Christianity, we are going to suffer. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks. There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some grief. There's going to be some heartache. Those things are going to come. They're going to happen. We're not going to be, oh, great, hey, we're Christians. Now everything's great and wonderful. We don't have to worry about anything. Okay, that's not what it's going to be. Uh, Jesus' message is pretty clear here. Jesus' message is come and die. And that's, that's not easy. That's not easy. So let's go, let's go to verse 31 as we go through our text here. All right, verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief, priest, chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and then after three days rise again. Um, this is the first time in Mark's gospel that he tells the disciples this concept, this concept of the Christ suffering, this concept of Jesus needing to suffer, to die, to be rejected. This is the first time that this is brought up, okay? So as of this point, he, he's been performing miracles. Um, he's healing people. He's feeding people. He's basically, you know, teaching people, telling them wonderful parables, telling them stories. But there hasn't been this concept of, hey, by the way, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. Okay, so this is a little bit earth-shattering because this is the first time they've heard it. Okay, so just kind of think of that as we go through the text here. This is the first time that they're like, I mean, granted, you know, if they would have been around for Tony's teaching a couple weeks ago, they'd have known it's coming, Psalm 22. <laughs> but this is the first time Jesus said it. <laughs> um, so he says this, and, you know, Peter, good Jewish man, what does he do? In verse 32. And he said this, plainly. Okay, this is very important. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. All right, so he said it plainly. So previously, before this, we talked a little bit a second ago about the parables. Jesus spoke in parables. He told these stories of, you know, how this could happen and that could happen. And, and if you, you know, it, it was confusing. It didn't make a lot of sense. Um, this is a bold, confident, clear, without a doubt, I will die and I will rise again in three days. I will suffer. Very clear. There's, there's no way that Peter could misunderstand him. There's no way that anybody there could misunderstand him. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you think about Jesus before that, like the stories he told and the parables he told and, and everything going on, you know, it, it would be, it, parables were kind of set up for those people that were inside. We're going to go over that a little bit later, but it makes sense if it already makes sense, but it doesn't make any sense if, if you're on the outside. Um, in Mark 4, 10 through 11, um, this, this kind of is, is a scripture to, to verify that. And then he was alone. Those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So if you were on the outside, you weren't getting it. You weren't understanding it. You weren't, you weren't getting it at all. The parables just left people confused, scratching their heads, you know, not knowing what he's even talking about, sometimes wondering why anybody would follow this guy because he doesn't really make any sense. He's just telling all these weird stories, and he's just a strange guy. Um, in this case, though, it's not a parable. It's straight. It's direct. And Peter understands exactly what he's saying. Sometimes you and I understand exactly what he's saying. Peter doesn't like it. Sometimes you and I don't like it either. Okay, Peter gets it. Peter knows what he's saying. Peter's not confused. Peter doesn't think it's a story, a parable, something he doesn't get. Peter understands exactly what he's saying. Peter doesn't like it. So what does Peter do? Peter rebukes him. Okay, Peter rebukes him. Now, why do you think Peter rebukes him in this story? Because Peter was a Jewish man. 
And what was he waiting for? He's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting for the Christ. He was waiting for somebody to come and establish a kingdom on heaven. He was waiting for a winner. Okay? He wasn't waiting for some guy that was going to lose his life. He was waiting for a winner. He was, he, was, he was attaching his wagon to somebody that was going to win. That somebody was going to establish a kingdom here, now, on earth. Somebody was going to get these Romans out of here. Okay? He wanted that king. He wasn't there for Tony's sermon either. Christ is going to have to suffer. Um, if we go back into Daniel 7, 13 and 14, uh, that reads, this is what Peter expects. This is what, this is what Peter is thinking that, that he's getting when the Messiah comes. Uh, I saw the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and the kingdom to all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Okay, that's what Peter wanted now. Okay, did Christ bring that? Yes, absolutely. But Peter didn't see it now. Peter saw it as an earthly, now we're going to have this kingdom, I'm going to follow this Messiah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have now my best life I'm going to have now I'm going to be a winner I'm not, I'm not going to have to lose anything and I, I dare you Jesus why would you say that why would you say that you're going to die it was, it was offensive to him Okay, why would you say that you're going to die and I'm, I'm sure that at that point in time he probably wanted to gather around some of the other disciples and say you know we need to cast the spirit out of Jesus right now because he's not believing in himself <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's how we think. I mean, that's how we, as humans, think. We kind of get that way. We're like, you know, I, I know what's going on here. What are you doing? I'm in control. Um, so Peter turns around and, you know, he rebukes Jesus. Okay, he rebukes Jesus. Um, I guess I should back up just a hair. If we, if we back up to verse 29, it's not in our text. But that's verse 29, just a couple verses before we started our text, is where Peter, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. Peter says, you are the Christ. So this is pretty fresh. Peter just got it. Okay, Peter just got it that he's the Christ. And what, is, and what does every Jew think the Christ is going to be? Christ. He's going to take over. So it's pretty fresh. Um, you know, it's, it's not the Christ that Peter wanted. Sometimes it's not the Christ that we want. Um, but he is the Christ. All right, so Peter turns around and rebukes Jesus. So, so what is a rebuke? That's a word we don't use that much, okay? So I looked it up, and I found this cube. That's a Rubik. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a corny joke. Um, but we don't use the word. We don't use the word rebuke. I mean, that's not really in our vernacular language at this point, at least not mine. Um, so it's, it's sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions. So Peter said, Jesus, I disapprove of what you said and how you're behaving right now because Peter honestly thought he was wrong. In Peter's mind, Jesus was wrong. Um, I just wanted to put it out there how strong that was. It wasn't just like, you know, hey, you sure about this dude? It's a bad idea. You know, no, it was a confident, just as, just as bold and confident as Jesus said, I will die. Peter said, you are wrong. And that's, that's tough. I mean, I... We do that. We do it. We may not say it directly to his face, but we do it. All right, so moving on to verse 33. Turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. That is, I always struggled with that scripture. I don't always really struggle with it, but it's always like such a harsh scripture. Um, first off, turning his disciples. So, you know, you, you think of it in two ways. I mean, Jesus can't let this go. You know, he's, he's got a crowd. He's got his disciples. His people are there. Peter called him out, told him he's wrong. You know, he can't just be like, okay, all right. He's got to call him out. He's got to say, hey, I got to, you know, I, I got to check this. I can't let this drop. If I let this drop, then, you know, 
we got a huge problem. And then he turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. That is harsh. It reminds me of like me and my brother. Like the, the, the person I've been harshest with in my life is probably my relative, my brother. And a lot of you could probably say the same thing who have brothers and sisters. Because you tend to be unfiltered. And you hear that language and you're like, man, why would he say that? It's almost, it's, it's you know, that, that part right there is almost like, you know, what's wrong with Jesus here? Why is he saying that? Why would he do that? Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at that real quick. If, you, if we go back to uh, when Jesus was tempted, it's the same language, the same thing. Um, exact same things he said to Satan is what he said to Peter. Uh, the, his very last temptation in Matthew 4, 8, and 10. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to them, all these I will give to you if you will just fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Okay, so how does that compare to what Peter did? Seems totally different, right? Peter's offering him the same thing. Jesus, you don't have to die. You don't need to do that. You are king. You are awesome. You are performer of miracles. You have all these crowds following you. You're awesome. Why do you need to die? You don't need to go to the cross. It's the same temptation. The very same, very, very, very same temptation. Don't go to the cross. Don't go to the cross, Jesus. Don't do it. You don't have to do that. Same temptation. Satan, you know, Satan's very, very clear. Just bow down and worship me. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. Just bow down for a minute. And you don't, have to, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to suffer. I'll give you everything. I'll give you the whole world. I'll give you everything you see. And Peter's offering him the same thing. The same exact thing. Satan's offering it through Peter. Peter doesn't understand what he's saying necessarily. But it's the same exact temptation. So, I think we have the propensity to do the same thing also. Um, I think we have, the, you know, we, we want to come up with a way not to, not to suffer. We want to come up with a way to minimize, and here's the biggest thing, his suffering. Minimize the cross of Christ. So anything we do to minimize the cross of Christ, anything we do to take away from what he did on that cross, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing that Peter did. We're doing the same, giving him the same temptation that, that Satan has given, Okay. Satan hates the cross, hates it, absolutely hates that cross. So Peter knows Jesus, but he doesn't understand who the Christ is. He knows Jesus is the Christ, but at this point he really doesn't understand who the Christ is. Um, you know, his, his belief is still, like we said, it's still skewed. He's still looking for that earthly kingdom. He's not, he's not seeing the heavenly kingdom that, that's coming. He, he missed the Psalms 22 through 24, he, he didn't read that. That wasn't in his daily reading. Um, he, he didn't get that. I mean, he, he just didn't get it. So it's, 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 a, it's a bad place for him to be. It's really hard for him to understand why he has to go back, and going back to verse 31, why he has to suffer, why he has to be rejected. Why, why, why does he have to be torn down to the lowest of the lowest of the low? He doesn't understand it. He doesn't get it. And I think we'd have a hard time if we were in his shoes also. Um, and it's, you know, on an interesting note, everybody agreed on that in verse 31. You know, he had, to, he had to suffer, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes. So all of these political parties of then-Jewish times had to agree on one thing, kill Jesus. We can't get anybody, we couldn't get everybody in this room to agree on one thing. Uh, just, just an interesting note. We, we couldn't. We could, if, if we all had, you know, uh, would you guys do waffles and pancakes a little while ago? We could never get everybody to agree on waffles. And youth group did waffles versus pancakes. We could never get everybody to agree on one or the other. It would never happen. But they were able to get every polit large political party of their time to agree on one thing: Jesus must die. Okay. 
All right, verse 34. Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So up to this point, the disciples had it fairly easy. You know, this, remember this is the first time that he's really kind of brought up the death, suffering, rejection, all that kind of stuff. Um, at this point, they're, they're following him around. They're listening to some really cool stories. You know, they're watching him heal people. They're feeding crowds. They're, they're kind of, you know, they're in the earth. They're of the earth. They're just like us. So what are they thinking? They're thinking they're buying the second Chick-fil-A store, right? They're, they're, they're on the ground level of something huge. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's where they're at. That's where their mind's at. Like, you know, hey, this is awesome. This guy's doing all these cool things. We're, we're getting on the ground floor of this cool new movement, right? You know, and, and he's going to be the Christ. He's going to be the one. He is going to rule and reign now. Um, so I, I think Jesus kind of says this to, to the crowd and the disciples to kind of wake them up. Okay, this is the first time that he's said anything like this to the crowd, too. Um, and, he, and he basically says, you know, if you want to come after me, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. So what he's really saying here is, you know, you've heard me speak. You've seen my miracles. Um, I fed you. Now be ready to die. Okay, take up your cross in Roman times isn't... Uh, it's not like a little small, like, oh, you know, you might have a little bit of suffering. You're going to carry this cross. You know, you're going to wear this little cross around your neck and like, hang it on your shoulder. You know, it's, it's a cross. Okay? The reason you had a cross was why? Because you were going to be crucified. Okay? So the reason you carried a cross is because you were going to your death. Okay? That's like, that's like putting the bullets in the gun that's going to, you're going to hand to your executioner. Okay? Be prepared to die. Go get your coffin. Go get sized up. Okay? Go down to the coffin maker. You know, get sized up. Get ready to go. Because you need to die to follow me. You need to be willing and ready to die to follow me. You know, and we want to be free. We want to do what we want to do. We, 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 we want to, you know, we're Christians. We're free. Everything's great. And in the country we live in, we're very blessed. But Christ is our master. Right? We are his servant. Okay, so if Christ is our, Christ the master and we're the servant, what does the servant do? Obey and follow the master. Okay, so where did the master go? The master went to the cross. The master went, went to death for us. The master suffered for us. So what are we going to need to be willing and ready to do? We're going to be willing, willing and ready to suffer um, up to the point of death. I mean, every one of the apostles bar John died a horrible death for Christ. Okay? John was exiled. Um, but we need to be ready. We need to be ready to go. We need to be ready to die. Um, life is suffering. Life is hardship. Um, we, we all have to be willing to pay a price for following our Savior. You know, and, and any good sermon always has a Princess Bride reference. So... <laughs> So, Dread Pirate Roberts at one point says to Buttercup, Life is pain, your highness. Anyone who says differently is selling you something. Okay? So be ready. Be ready to suffer. Okay? Because if, if, if that preacher you're listening to is telling you life is wonderful and great and all that good stuff, what is he doing? Selling you something. Um, so, in our country, you know, Melissa prayed earlier, and she couldn't really talk about a lot what was going on because of what's going on, because they live in a place that they, it's very real. It's very real to be in China, to be suffered, to be rejected, to be arrested, to be put in prison, to maybe even lose your life for what you believe in. Okay, we live in a place where that's not our reality, and I am very thankful for that. Okay, I'm not wishing to be you know, I don't want to suffer. I don't think anybody here is like, pick me. But we need to be ready. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to carry our cross. We need to be ready to go to do that.
You know, if, if it cost us something to do it, we just have to think, like, you know, if we were in China and we knew that going to church may land us uh, three hots in a cot, would we go? Would we be there? You know, if that, was, if that was our lot in life, do we believe? Do we believe that strongly? Would we be there? All right, verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Okay, so verse 35 through 38. Everywhere, every verse starts with the word for. And that's a promise. It may be a good promise or a bad promise. But for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. That's a promise. That's a promise. Okay? You will, without a doubt, do one or the other. Okay? You can save your life now, or you can use your life for, for his sake now and live eternally. But you will do one or the other. He's saying if you lose your physical life for me, you will save it. And conversely, if you save your life, meaning putting your well-being ahead of the allegiance to me on the last day, denying me, you will lose it. So basically, if you radically identify with the personhood of Jesus Christ and who he is, on that day, in judgment, he's going to say, fine. If you do not, then he's going to say, I don't know you. It's the gospel. It's, 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 it's very offensive. This is why I said this text is offensive. This is offensive. This is offensive. The gospel is offensive. It's only not offensive if you know the story. Okay? If you're on the outside, it was offensive to me the first 32 times. The 33rd time it got my heart. Okay? It may have been the first time for you. It may have been the 10th time for you. But it was offensive. The first time you heard the gospel of Christ, I guarantee you were offended. Because it told you you are a sinner. And nobody wants to hear that. Because nobody wants to be a loser. All right, so, and this is, this is hard to understand in our world, but if we acquire everything, and we're going to go over this a little bit more, but, but you know, we could be on our deathbed, and we could accept Christ, and we're going to go to heaven. We could have walked with Christ for 101 years, and we're going to go to heaven. Um, we could have nothing in this world. We could, we could, we could have literally nothing on, in this world at all. And when we die and go to heaven as a Christian, he gives us, the whole, he gives us everything. You have it all. He gives you everything. And conversely, you could be the richest man around. You could have it all, but have denied Christ your whole life. And the day that you die... You got nothing, less than nothing. It's done. It's gone. There's, there's nothing for you. And it's, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around because we think that we're in control all the time. We think we're in control. All right, so verse 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? All right, so what is your soul? Let's talk about that real quick. Okay, do, do you, does everybody realize they have a soul? I really do want to see your hands shown. I, I, I really want you to look, wake up if you're sleeping, put your hands up. Okay, so you realize you have a soul. Okay, so if you have a soul, you need to feed your soul. So this is just a little, this is like a mini soapbox moment. Get off of Facebook, get off of Twitter, get off of Instagram, get off of Snapchat. <laughs> get off of television. We don't need another picture of you eating at Pizza Hut. Okay. <laughs> We don't. We really don't need it. All right? Do something that nourishes your soul. You have a soul. Have a quiet time. Read scripture. Go outside. We, last weekend, I got to go with the youth group. Wow. It was awesome. Uh, Jacob and I saw a tree. This is true. We saw a tree growing on top of a boulder. How does that happen? It was a rock. I mean, literally, it was a rock like this big, and the tree was sitting here, and the roots actually went down behind it after we examined it and went down into the ground. But there was a tree. It was probably about this big around, and it was literally growing on top of a rock. How does that happen? Go outside and feed your soul. God is awesome. All right, so 
Ooh. Well, sorry, I had a slight technical difficulty there. Um, all right, so let's, let's think about this a minute, and let's imagine, let's imagine that somebody comes to you with basically the winning lottery ticket in life here. So this guy comes up to you and says, hey, insert your name here, I am prepared to give you all the money you need for the rest of your life. I'm prepared to give you multiple homes. You can have a house on either shore. You can have a house in wherever you want. Have a house in Bermuda, a house in wherever. You know, I'll, I'll give you every, every, any. You ask for it, you can have it. Doesn't matter. I'm going to give you the mate of your dreams, the kids of your dreams. I'm going to give you the car of your dreams. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give it all to you, everything, no matter what it is. So, so, so start thinking about that in your heads a minute. Like, what would that be for you? Like, what would that be? <laughs> What would that, so, so what is that in your mind, okay? So here it is. All right, now here's, here's, the, here's his caveat. I'm going to give it to you, and then I'm going to kill you. Who's signing up? Who's signing up? Nobody signing up for that one? I mean, it sounds good until that last part. As soon as you have it, it's over, okay? So what, so what, what are you going to exchange for your soul? What are you going to exchange for your soul? What is that important here on this world and this earth right now that you think is worth your soul? We, we, we play that game every day. We play that game every day. Every day. I play that game. You know, oh, I'm going after this. I'm going after this. I'm going after this. It doesn't matter. We need to line up. We need to line up with what God says and what God wants for us. We can get very distracted. All right, so same scenario. Say you actually do get it all. Say, 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 that, say that the caveat's not there and you don't have to die, and you actually gain everything. Say you work really hard. You know, maybe somebody gives it to you. Maybe, maybe you inherit it, you know, however it is, you know, and, and you do actually have it all when it's all, when it's all gone. So you own, maybe, maybe you own Amazon or you own Apple or you own both Amazon and Apple, um, which you probably can't do because there's some kind of a legal thing there. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, honestly, you know, just say you have it all, right? And you do die. You know, when you go to heaven, you get in front of God, what are you going to say? You know, can I, can I stroke you a check? You know, what is he going to say? He's going to say, you denied me there and I'm going to deny you here. Okay. And it's, it's hard for us to fathom and hard for us to imagine. I mean, we, we feel like we're in control and we can just gather and, and collect and, and make things happen for ourselves, but we can't. All right, our last verse, guys. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. Remember, these were all promises, Okay. Remember the fours, these are all promises. This is not a promise that I want to happen, but it's a promise. If you are ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous, sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when you come to judgment. Okay? Um, thank God for the gospel. Thank God that he gives us every opportunity to say, I sinned again, God. I sinned again. I sinned again. I sinned again. Okay? Uh, our sins are many, his mercy is more. We sang that this morning, okay? I'm not saying that, you know, hey, you did one thing wrong and, oh, it's all over for you. Please don't hear that. Please, please, please don't hear that. Our sins are many, his mercies are more. Come back. Come back to Christ. Get on your knees. Say you're sorry. Um. If, you, if, if you remember just a couple chapters later, uh, in Mark 14, Peter does it. Um, Peter actually denies Christ three times. We talked about that a couple months ago when I was up here. Um, and what happened in that situation? Jesus forgave Peter. Okay, so don't feel, don't feel that this is like, you know, oh my gosh, if I ashamed Jesus, I'm, I'm done. Okay, Jesus forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. At least he does. For, sorry, at least he does for me. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna real quick 
go over a couple of ideas to apply what we talked about. Um, the best part is really the sum of the whole matter, the sum of Mark 8, 31 through 38 is, you know, this is the first time, hey, there's some news here, guys. I got some information, and it's good news. It's the greatest news in the world. That news is that Christ died and that we can become and be reconciled to God. Okay, that's the good news. It's the gospel. So the first part of this whole thing is just remember, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. To, to lose is to win. Okay? Um, second part, are we willing to suffer and die? Now, what does that mean? Um, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected and must be killed and must rise again. Um, you're probably not going to do that. But you must be ready to suffer. You must be ready to take that hard road, have that hard conversation, stand up for Jesus, stand up for the cross, stand up for the gospel of Christ. Okay, you're at work and somebody's doing this, that, or the other, saying this, that, or the other. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to run in and push everybody out of the way. But if you're part of that conversation, you need to be part of that conversation. You need to let people know who Jesus is. Okay, and why Jesus is. Um, we just have to, we have to take that stand. There's too many times, I think, that we're kind of like, well, that's, you know, no, you're a Christian. You're his son. You're his daughter. Defend the cross of Christ. Okay, lose yourself. Be a loser for a moment. Don't be the cool guy. Okay? And say what needs to be said. Stand up for your Savior. Um, my second question is, do we understand and defend the necessity of the cross? Um, do you really understand that it had to happen? Peter didn't understand at that point that it had to happen. Do you understand that Christ had to die, had to suffer, and was raised so that you could, and me could be reconciled to God? If that didn't happen, we're wasting our time. Okay, so anything you listen to or anything you hear or anything you read or any conversation you have that tries to belittle the cross of Christ, you need to cut it off, okay, because it happened. He died. He suffered for our sins. He lost so that we might gain. And the next one, I think, is a, is a question that I think that, as Americans, we don't. Do you expect to suffer for Christ? Do you expect that you will have to suffer to be a Christian? Is that your expectation? He said you would. We just read it. He said, take up your cross. Be ready to die. You will suffer. I'm suffering. I'm your master. Okay? I'm losing. Okay? There's going to be some things in your life that are going to be difficult. There are going to be some things in your life that, you know, every person that is on this world, in this earth, is going to suffer in some degree. There's going to be things that happen to them. There's going to be things that, that go on in your life that are difficult. Okay, there's going to be suffering. And then, and then, then you add the fact that you're a Christian, so now you put a target on your back. So now you make it a little bit more. Okay, you're going to suffer for Christ. There's going to be things that happen to you in your life because you're a Christian. That's okay. He's telling you it's going to happen. Press into God. He's going to walk with you. He's going to be with you. He's going to hold you through those times. And the last question, and I think this is one we struggle with as Americans also, is whose approval are we living for? Okay, do we, do we look at things through a lens of what does my Heavenly Father think, or do we look at through a, things through a lens of what does Bob think? Okay, we, we need to think about that as we make decisions, as we do different things throughout our day, and, you know, it's the big picture. We tend, to, we tend to, you know, even, every, every, even in daily tasks that have nothing to do with what we're talking about, you, you kind of fizzle down on this and you, you miss all this. We need, to, we need to try to look at that big picture and, and think of things through a lens, look at things through a lens of what God has for us, or what, God, what the kingdom is, not what Scott needs to do right now. So, I feel like I'm a little heavy on you guys. I'm not trying to be heavy. I hope it wasn't heavy. Um, 
to, to really lose is to win. We, we, need to, we need to be a loser in the fact of we need to be able to lose who we are if it's not going where God's going. We need to be able to lose our pride if we're at a point where, you know, we're at, we're at that office water cooler and, and, you know, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to be looked bad upon or, or that kind of thing. We just need to be, we need to be really to stand up for our faith. We need to be bold. We need to be clear. We need to be confident. We need to be Christians. Um, that's about all I really have for you. Brett's going to come up and do a communion for us this morning. As we uh, get ready to come to the Lord's table, it's, it's really important for us to understand this message that, that Scott's talking about is something that in our American culture we in particular have struggled with. Uh, there is a, a fairly well-known uh, female uh, evangelist who's actually a uh, spiritual advisor to our president right now who years ago said, if anybody tells you to deny yourself, they're speaking the words of Satan. Which is kind of interesting because a bunch of people came back and said, uh, J- Jesus said that, actually. Um, so th- this is not somebody who's not known. They have a large ministry. They have a large platform and even access to powerful people. But that's because... What she's saying is, but that cuts across the American dream. That cuts across the gospel the way I want it to be. But see, there, there really are two different gospels. Always have been. And Paul said the other one's not a gospel at all. And so Jesus does come and tell us that there are two ways. There, there, there are two different things. And this world wants to shape your soul and mine to believe that true life and true freedom is found in going our own way. And Christ comes in and says, no, that's actually death. And so if you want life, lose your life according to this world. Be, be a loser in the eyes of this world because that is true winning. That is true life. And so Note the call here. It really is radical. When Scott sent me the text, and when he said, can there be a sermon title called Be a Loser? I knew where he was driving at. And it really is. It's the heart. Jesus says, if you want to come after me, you have to deny not just other things. You have to deny yourself. We hear in our culture today many people saying, but at the core of my being, this is who I am. Surely God would not want me to go against that. Really? Because the gospel is deny yourself and you'll find life. Because life's not found in you and I and the way we've warped things. And so this is a radical call. And the only reason that we can even possibly respond to that call is because Christ denied himself and he went and he took the cross. You and I don't have to bear a cross that means bearing the wrath of God against all human sin. That's not what we're called to. Christ has done that for us. But it is a statement that says you and I are shaping our souls in certain ways. And you remember when Jesus came the angel came and said, you're to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And be clear, that's not just, notice it didn't say call him Jesus because he will save his people from the penalty of their sin. See, here's what I would like. Save me from the penalty and then let me just dwell in the sin. But that's not what he came to do. He came to save me from my sin because sin is its own penalty it's deforming it's destructive and so christ comes and says look you got to take your cross you, you got to walk after me because the things that are trying to shape you right now are destructive they're deadly and they will wipe you out we have managed to repackage them pretty well but did you know that if you package and market poison 
it's still poison. doesn't matter how you've changed the label, how much more palatable you've made it look at the end, it's still poison. And so Jesus comes and says, here's the gospel. You're dwelling in death, I offer you life. So this is a, a very tough word, but it's a word of life. And Jesus was very, very clear about it. And as Scott mentioned, you know, it's amazing. The high point in many ways of the gospel where it had been driven, driving to in, in Mark's gospel is Peter saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's at this great moment right then. And then Jesus says, oh, here's what's going to happen. And Peter's like, what, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm the disciple that the Father's revealed all this to. Let me explain to you the way this is really going to be. And that's the temptation you and I face. I want to explain to Jesus what really would be good for me. I know y'all probably haven't done that. But see, I have advanced theology degrees. I can even make it sound believable. I can give good Bible verses for it and all that kind of stuff. And at the end, it's still drinking down poison. So we're going to come to the table. And as always, you do not have to be a member of our church. You do need to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You do need to understand that, that as Scott said a moment ago, our only hope, what we sang this morning, my sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. We don't come to this table because I have perfectly carried my cross because I have not. We come because Christ has carried his cross for us. But when we do come to the table, it is a table where we celebrate our justification. It's also a table where we come and we say, give me grace for my sanctification. Because I want to be saved not only from the penalty of my sin, but I want to be saved from its power. So I invite you to come. If you are uh, in need of a gluten-free option, you can raise your hand in a moment and we will get that to you. Other than that, I encourage you, let the Lord speak to you this morning. And as we come, do certainly confess your sins. Offer them to God. But I also want to encourage this morning, if the Holy Spirit's tugging, there, there may be an area where you say, but that may be the very place the Holy Spirit is trying to put his finger right now. An area where I'm saying, uh, not that, Lord. I, I Surely you don't mean that. That may be the very area where he's saying, I'm preferring something to him. And anything that we prefer to Christ ends up being our downfall and our death. So let's come to the Lord's table together. Friends, what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you that the Lord Jesus... On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, we come to this table this morning recognizing that so far from the way we would have planned salvation, we are saved because you were broken we are forgiven because your blood was shed as we come to the table open our eyes we pray for the spirit of wisdom revelation that we would see that and lord if there are any areas where we are clinging to something else as if it would be our life Lord, would you, by your grace, show us that, that we may lose it to find true life indeed. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. As you get the elements, hold on to them, and we will take them together in just three or four moments. Father, you are true life. To know, love, and glorify you is life 
indeed. But like our mother Eve, we have been deceived, listening to the lies of Satan rather than your truth. And like our father Adam, we have willfully chosen to disobey, preferring our false idea of freedom over the true freedom that is found only in obeying you. They took and ate in disobedience to your command and thus swallowed down death. But today we take and eat in obedience to your command and thus the bread we eat is life for us today through our Lord Jesus Christ. Take and eat. Lord Jesus, you taught many paradoxes. The first shall be last, and the last first. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That those who try to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for you will find it. But the greatest paradox of all was that you, the author of life, swallowed down death as you were crucified, dead, and buried in our place. But your death has brought life to us so that we who were dead through sin have been raised to life with you. So for this, we take the cup of thanksgiving and we give you thanks. We receive this cup of the new covenant in faith, confessing that you drank the cup of death, that we might share in this cup of life. Take and drink. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fasten these life-changing words to our hearts. Empower us so that we might choose to lose, so that we might win in the end. Stir up in us a hunger for the will of God so strong that we would give up everything just to follow you. Renew our minds so that we see and know that the first shall be last and the last first that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted, that those who try to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for Christ and the gospel will find it. Holy Spirit, would you fasten the cross to our backs? For in bearing the cross, we find true life indeed, and in forsaking our own life, we find the life of God in us. We pray that you would make us bold for Christ and the gospel, preferring rejection from the world to being ashamed of you and the gospel. Empower us to be witnesses and call others to the way of the cross, that in losing their lives, they might find eternal life in Christ. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you can stand, we will conclude with a word of benediction out of the book of Hebrews. And I encourage you to note, again, the idea of God's great reversal in the salvation uh, that he has given to us. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with every good thing for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Go in the peace of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.